Welcome to the Compass Church Podcast with Pastor Tim Jacobs, a ministry of Compass Church with your Arizona. Join us now as we look into God's Word to be challenged and changed. Hey, welcome to Compass. It's great to have you here. We're going to take a minute while we're standing, and we're going to pray for our, uh, our friends and neighbors in SoCal. So let's go ahead and do that right now. God, we have... Uh, we have learned of, of terrible heartbreak and tragedy this week that continues to go on and on and on. One right after the other in a, a part of the country that, uh, that you love so much. Many of us have family and friends live in and around that area. A fair amount of us are from that area. We've driven by the place that, that was shot up we know people and the stories of those who were there and the stories of those who were going to go there and didn't and all of the emotions that are involved. And so, God, your hand is, is always there. It's, these kinds of things remind us that this is not our home, this earth, and that is capable of tremendous evil when people choose to to stand in such great opposition to you and, and live full of themselves rather than ever bowing the knee to you. And we see evil in nature as um, this world is very untamed and, and can bring such great destruction so quickly. So I specifically pray for our sister churches, Journey Church in Thousand Oaks, Anthem Church in Thousand Oaks, Camarillo Community Church in Camarillo and Nueva Vida in Thousand Oaks who are, who have opened their doors and right now living moment by moment, praying for people, mourning with people, talking with people, comforting people. And so we pray that in that part of our country, that your, that your name would be known, that you would bring peace and healing and that, that many people would know, would be shaken out of a false sense of security, shaken out of a false sense of safety and seek the peace that can only be found in you. We pray for those people and we pray for those families that have lost loved ones, that you would comfort them in their grief. We pray for those who are recovering from the shooting and we pray that you'd protect those homes. So many people whose lives and dreams and hopes and memories are contained inside their homes. So I pray that your, your name will be glorified even in the midst of great tragedy like this. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, it's great to be with you. So glad you're here. And uh, you know, on a Veterans Day weekend, it's awesome to have you here. I saw so many people. The freeway was just backed up going west. Um, I don't know where they think they're going. <laughs> it's burning down out there. But they're all going out there. And uh, so it's so great to see all of you here today, this afternoon. Before you're seated, we're going to keep this going. We're going to keep this going. You know, I was at a church a couple weeks ago, actually, the home church that I grew up in out in Southern California. Stopped in there because on the way out to speak at Dave's church out in Camarillo. Some of you guys remember this. And, uh, and I was sitting, standing where you were, and I had to shake hands with random people. I didn't know anybody. And, and it was one of those things where, like, people were like, how you doing? 
you know, and they just turned away. How you doing? And they turned away. And I was like, I didn't even get a chance to answer you before you turned your head. And uh, so maybe you can say, hi there. And then just like, like just linger for like two seconds and wait for them to respond before you're seated. So shake some hands around you and we'll continue on. Go ahead and do that right now. Oh, I love it. I love it. You guys are just chatty this weekend. It's great. Hey, um, also, it is Veterans Day weekend, so I do want to make sure and recognize if, if you have served, if you are serving in any one of our armed forces, we would like to just take a moment and recognize you. Would you go ahead and just stand right where you are? Don't be shy. If you've served in the past, if you're currently serving, go ahead and stand right now. Let's give our vets a Yes, a huge round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry? Oh, well, that's very, that's very, I didn't know he was going to do that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, thank you. I didn't know you were going to do that. And I pre I, 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 yes, I am privileged to be counted as well as a member of the Air Force Reserve and uh, always encouraged by Rick and fired up by Rick. And I don't know, Rick, you, you're fired up, man. Maybe you could come up and you could deliver our sermon tonight sometime, huh? You'd be good. You got... Anyway, um, thank you very much for that. So, but I did miss you guys. I was out for two weeks. It felt like forever. But um, today, what I'd like to do, and I'm really grateful to Mike, because Mike kicked off the new series, did a fantastic job last week. Of course, several weeks ago, you heard from Dave Hurtado, and he announced to you our, our, new, um, uh, our new church planting resident, Brent. Did you hear about that? Maybe you weren't in the service when he talked about Brent. He's actually Kent, but he went around telling everybody, oh, I met this great guy, Brent. And uh, so we've been calling him Brent all week. But if you, if you know Dave, my buddy Dave, um, who used to work here, that's just what he just kind of makes up words and makes up names. And, but he loves Jesus. He knows who Jesus is, and that's what's important. But today I'd like to make the case for you for all of us to consider practicing extravagant, uproarious, outlandish generosity as a regular part of our lives. And all three of those adjectives are important. I like those kinds of adjectives. Extravagant, uproarious, and outlandish generosity. And you can see that that's the title in your program. And the connection group questions as well are also in your program. And remember, we only have like one more, and then it's, thank or this, then it's gonna be Thanksgiving week after that. But I mean, ours meets on Thursday morning. And then, of course, we're not meeting together um, the next Thursday. But this is, I think, the final week of connection groups. And then we take a little bit of a break um, for the holidays. And then we'll reconvene afterwards. Of course, you can always still keep meeting um, if you want. But this is our last official time. But you can see those notes in your program as well. But I want to read this to you from the book of Proverbs chapter 11. It says this. 
One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. Do you believe that? I mean, really, do you believe that? Does it actually work? I mean, is it true that you give freely and then, and then amazingly, because of, you, because of that, you actually grow richer? Is that actually true? And another guy who withholds what he should give, he goes ahead and loses everything, as it actually says in another translation. This verse comes from Proverbs, and Proverbs are not promises, but they are probabilities. They are life hacks. They tell you and give you insight into how life was designed to work in ways that aren't always obvious. And if it's true, this verse, then it does change everything. So our passage today is going to be 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. So you can go ahead and, you know, turn it there in your Bible, turn it on in your app, open it up there and find it. And as you're turning there, here is the background for what's going on in the passage that we're going to read. The Apostle Paul has written the letter to the church in the city of Corinth, and he's written about the situation in Jerusalem with the early church. So this is like in 50 AD or something like that. And that church has experienced an amazingly terrible famine. Part of it's due to persecution, They've converted to Christianity, and so they are, um, you know, shunned by lots of other people in the surrounding area, but there's also a famine happening in the area as well, and so there is very real need going on there, and what Paul is doing is he's sending his, one of his guys named Titus out to Corinth to collect an offering that they can come back and give to help the material financial needs of the Christians in Jerusalem. And so it's kind of like an early version of like a GoFundMe, you know what I mean? Before you could actually do that, right? So he's writing them to say, hey, listen, I want to raise money to help these people that are really hurting. And this kind of thing is done a lot. In fact, even, you know, just mentioning the fires. I was on um, looking at Facebook and this good friend of mine who lives out there has set up a GoFundMe for this couple who, who literally just got married, like very recently, just refurbished the uh, home that they bought, got it all refurbished, the whole thing burned down. And so he gets on social media and says, hey, Help me raise money to help these people that are in this time of need. And so this is kind of, so you understand this is the background, but what he's doing is he's not just asking for money, he's using it as an opportunity to bring up the entire subject of generosity and really he's going to explain to us, and this is kind of interesting, why we even basically have money in the first place, why we have been even given anything in the first place. So that's kind of what's going on. So he tells them, um, and this is what he tells them, and we're going to see if we can pick up on this idea of extravagant, uproarious, and outlandish generosity. And so in verse 6, he says this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So sow means like to plant, right? 
Now, isn't it interesting that he says that? Because doesn't it sound like something we just read like two minutes ago out of the book of Proverbs? It's like he must have like had this on his mind, right? It's one of those principles, those life hacks. And he's saying, look, this is the way life works. And he goes on then, and you almost could say, you know, therefore, in verse seven, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So in light of the fact of the way that the world works, that the fact that if you give a lot, you get a lot, that each person then also has the freedom to give what they've decided in their own heart. And and so there's a warning against this idea of giving in such a way that's reluctantly or under compulsion, meaning that God doesn't want you to look at this issue of, of giving to others as something that's done out of guilt or something that's done that makes you feel terrible afterwards, but you kind of have to examine your heart and he wants you to give in a cheerful um, fashion. In fact, that phrase reluctantly or under compulsion is another way of saying not under grief or under pressure. Now the word cheerful is really interesting because it comes from the same word where we, where we get our word hilarious from. It's like the original word that they translated that from is the word like hilarion or something like that. And we literally get our word hilarious from this word that's translated cheerful. So it's like God wants your heart to be full and rich and contented and joyful and excited and overflowing when you give. Now, it doesn't mean that you, you only give in those situations, but that's the way the result is supposed to be. That's when you know you've tapped in to this mechanism that we described a little while ago in Proverbs, and he's going to continue driving home in this, in this passage. And so giving according to God is not something that's supposed to cause you stress and angst and fear and a mindset of scarcity, but rather something that should liberate you and bring you a sense of abundant and overflowing joy. And so when I give you the title that I gave you, which is extravagant, uproarious, and outlandish generosity, the, the, these are kind of synonymous with this idea of cheerful and like abundant, right? And so um, one of the things that I want you to think about is this. God made the world. This is so crazy to think about. God made the world so that the act of giving results in tremendous joy. God made the world in such a way The way he designed it and crafted us, the way he shaped our hearts, the way that he created stuff, he did it in such a way so that when we give, it would actually result in tremendous joy for us. But then you have to ask the question, well, how does that work? Because, you know, the last time I checked in math class, you know, if I have something and I give it away, I don't have it anymore. Like one minus one is zero, right? That's no good. I don't want to like have nothing. I'm not going to be joyful if I don't have, if I have less than what I had, and especially if I really needed it. So how is that supposed to work? Well, I want to give you four ways that he 
that he talks about how this works in, as we go through our passage. So I'm gonna give you four things that you can write down that will help us understand what happens when we practice this type of generosity. And I mean actually practice it. Sometimes, you know, you have to behave yourself into a better way of belief. We often talk about believing your way into a better behavior, right? Well, if I just believe it, I'll start doing it. Sometimes, however, though, we are actually maybe to start behaving in a certain way. And as we behave that way, it begins to change our beliefs. It's very interesting how this works. So when I'm generous, there's four things that happen that we can get from the passage. The first thing is this. When I'm generous, I become God's distributor in his supply chain of blessing to other people. In other words, from scripture, we get this idea that God does not like to give things necessarily always directly to people. This is why you don't necessarily wake up in the morning and like a, a, a sack of cash has dropped from heaven and landed in your backyard. You're like, well, where did that come from? Oh, God gave it to me. He just dropped it out of the sky. He doesn't necessarily work like that. Rather, he likes to enlist and employ and involve his people to be the conduits and the distributors of the things that he wants to give to other people. Now that's a really crazy concept when you think about yourself because you're not, a lot of us think of ourselves when it comes to our stuff as kind of like a cul-de-sac, right? So the stuff comes to us and then it just kind of ends with us. And we go, oh, thank you, God, that's really good. But that's not what's happening. The idea is it's supposed to go through us. So this is what he says in verse eight. He says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things, you may abound in every good work. So part of the idea there is God gives you what you need to be able to do what he's asked you to do. He makes all grace abound to you so that you can, you can have the ability to do every good work. And then it says, as it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Well, he, whenever they say, as it is written, you know, it was written where? Like, you know, he's, he's going, I didn't write this. You know it's written in the Old Testament. Well, it comes from Psalm 112, verse nine, and the principle is really massive because th th when it says, he is distributed freely, he's not talking about a person. He's, uh, this is actually referring to God. So God is the one who distributes freely and gives gifts to the poor. So he loves to give things to people. And when you think about this, well then who are the poor? If God distributes um, freely and he's given to the poor, well who is really the poor? Well when it comes to God, we are. I mean we're, we're really the poor when you think about it. Because without him and his gifts to us, what would you have? Do you realize that every time you take a breath, God is the one who supplied the air and it's free. I mean, can you imagine if God started acting like, you know, a lot like AT&T or Sprint? You know, you get like, you get like your first 10,000 breaths for free on, in a month. And then after that, you have to pay, you know, like a little surcharge, right? You know, like maybe 50 cents a breath. That would be terrible. You know, but God be like, hey, I made the air. I made your lungs. You're taking my air. You're sucking in oxygen. You're breathing out carbon dioxide. Well, I got to figure out how to get more oxygen. You're taking the resources. 
But God doesn't do that. He gives and gives and gives. He gives food. I mean, there isn't a single person in here that sits there and goes, man, I don't know how in the world. I was reading a book about this guy that went to Alaska and he was trying to, like, he was this young guy and he was trying to, like, live off the land. And one of the points they were making, like, if you ever get that idea in your head, you want to go be one of these guys that, like, lives out there and goes hunting and, like, you know, live off the land, it is extremely difficult to, to basically subsist on your own. It is unbelievably hard work every single day. And this guy literally starved to death because he couldn't feed himself fast enough with how he was producing his food and how he was trying to hunt and everything else. You don't have to worry about it. It's supplied to you. And so God distributes this freely. So we have a God who gives and gives and gives to us. And then we become agents and channels to be able to give to other people. That's, that's the system that God has created. And he is looking, now this is crazy, this is crazy, because you gotta think about this. You, have to, you gotta start off your mind going, God loves giving to people. He just loves giving gifts to people. So he's looking for distributors, right? He's looking for distributors. That's crazy, because he don't like to give people directly. He's looking for people to pass gifts through. You in? You in? Think about that. He wants to bless people and he's looking for other people to send those gifts to, to give to them. That's the principle that's coming out here. So that gives, leads us to the second thing. When I am generous, I make room for God to give me more. Listen to what he says in verse 10. This is a huge concept. Again, he's teaching us stuff that he's telling us this is how the world works. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So he's the one that supplies the seed to the person that plants. And so he says he will supply the seed to the sower and the bread for food and, and, and uh, for supply will multiply your seed for sowing and inc increase the harvest of your righteousness. And look at verse 11. You, this is so huge. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. So it doesn't say you will be enriched in every way. It says you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So there's two ways to look at this. I have a little whiteboard. I decided to not do my drawing in advance this time. I decided to do it, because um, you know, sometimes I have little drawings that you guys know. Um, those of you that are here for the first time, I do these horrible drawings and I take pictures of them and put them on the screen. But here I'm gonna do one live because you know, it's more exciting that way. So um, anyway, this is two ways to look at this. The first way is a closed loop mentality. So the closed loop is, I, this is my money, right? And so I, I have my money and then, you know, I have to buy, you know, I have to live. So I buy my little car, right? This is my little car. And then I got to pay for my car. So I got to go back and figure out how I can make more money. Then I start making more money, which is pretty good. So then I, got, then I buy my house, right? So then I buy my house, right? But then, and then all of a sudden, I got, but my house, um, as I, as it, you know, I got to figure out how I'm going to pay for that. So, because I put a pool in and then I put a lawn in and then I, and then I got to water the lawn and the sprinklers break, right? And then they paint the house. But because I live in Arizona after 10 years, it gets all blotchy and stuff because the sun kills it. So I have to repaint my house. And then, 
And then like stuff cracks and it breaks and it, right? And then the air conditioner breaks. So what happens? So I have to, I have to keep, I'm in this, I'm in this loop where, which is, which is fine. But see, a lot of people see it as this closed loop where I have to go. And so I'm using my car to get me more money. I'm in my house and now I got to figure out how I'm going to get a better job so I can make more money. So what? So I can go and get more repairs on my house. And then, oops, now I have like, you know, five kids or whatever. And guess what? They all want to go to college. So here's a little diploma. Um, There's a, you know, a nice little college diploma there and they want to go to college. So now I got to pay for that. I'm just telling you like the story of my life right now. Um, so like, and you got to get more. And so, so this is, it's this loop, right? But it's all revolves around what? The money. I got to keep going back and figure out how I'm going to get more money. Cause you thought you were fine here, but you're not. So you got to get more. And then you're going, I don't understand. Like, honestly, I wonder how, how does, how does all of this money just leave my bank account? Right? It's crazy because I got three kids and they all need to eat and they got to wear clothes and they want stuff. And I sit there and go, I just feel like there's never enough money. There's never enough money, right? And so most people have this closed loop mentality. The only source of all of this crud that they want and they legitimately need, I mean, look, you got to have a car. And you got to have some place to live and you got to, I mean, you have kids that are going to eventually go to college and there's a little diploma. And so you just round and around and around. Now that's one way to do it, right? But the other concept that he's talking about is this, is what I would call, well, let me just say it like this. Okay. So you have a, here you have your, um, your cup. This is your cup, cup of money. Kind of like cup of noodles. Remember cup of noodles? Some of you are like, I remember it all the time. Um, but this is your cup of money. This is what you have. And, and, and so what he's saying is you only have so much that you can hold, right? So, so you get to the top and you don't have any more, um, any more space. But then when you start living a life of generosity, you start tipping your cup of money out. Well, then you have less money, right? It starts to lo- the, the level of your cup of money goes down. But then you know what he says happens? There's this amazing thing called the graciousness and power and supply of God. And he dumps more into your cup of money. Y'all see that? It's a horrible drawing, but you get the idea. So the more that you dump your, the more that you're dumping your money out onto these, onto other um, issues and, and becoming a conduit for people who need it, not just any cause. I'm not telling, when we get to the application part, I'm not talking about just giving to anything, being strategic, being generous, right? Having a heart of generosity, not holding on to your money so tightly, right? So what happens is, and your stuff in general so tightly, you make space and God continues to fill. And then you know what God does? He goes, oh, this is a good investment. Because God wants, what do we say? God loves giving gifts to people and he loves, he wants distributors. He wants people who trust him to be conduits to give his stuff to people that need it. And there's a reason for that and we'll get to that in a minute. But when he looks at you and you're dumping your little cup of money out and you look, you still have your little car, right? And you have your house and you got your little kids, right? And they're like, they need their little, you know, they need, because they want to play softball now, even though they just got done playing volleyball. Now they want to play softball. She had to go to Dick's Sporting Goods and buy a whole bunch of softball equipment last night. I'm just telling you my life again. And you're like, 
I, I don't, sure, okay, um, here's a bat and a glove, and okay, hopefully, you know, you'll stick with this. And then, and, and that's what you do, right? So here, what happens, though, you gotta live, but, but as you're being generous, God go, this is God up here, this is God. He's like, dude, this person's a good investment. They're touching a lot of people. You know what I'm gonna do with their cup of money? Oh, they need a bigger one. Ooh, look at that. That's a bigger cup of money. Why? Because you're doing good with what you have. So that, because he said, he, does he not say, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Now it doesn't necessarily mean that your net of money, like all of a sudden you strike it rich. No, you just become a bigger and better conduit. Oh, there's even more opportunities. You have to be generous because your cup of money has been enlarged because when you had a little cup of money, when you were eating cup of noodles, God said, wow, that person's a good investment. I'm just saying what it says here. So, okay, I really went off on a, on a not a tangent, but I, I didn't, I went off like on a lot of stuff there. So there's this supernatural mechanism that kicks into gear and it becomes a relationship between you and God and the individuals and the people in your life that you are giving to. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, this is really great. That's really nice thought, Pastor Tim. Maybe someday, you know, when I get out of debt, and maybe someday when I have like a better paying job and I graduate from college or I get my, you know, I graduate, so especially some of you young people, you know, maybe when I, when I actually get a job that my degree, you know, I went to college for and then I pay off my student loans, whatever, then I can actually start doing this stuff. That's, Tim, it seems like a really cool idea. But this is like I was saying before. It's not that you don't have any money right now. It's just that your cup of money is really small. And God knows that. But as I was saying, as you dump it out, not only does God supply more so you can dump it out, but your capacity, again, your capacity for money increases. So, so if, if you're God, you, why would you not want to go after and bless and enrich people who are behaving in a way to be good conduits and blessing other people? If there really is a God and he really loves giving gifts to people and he really loves enlisting people to be distributors, wouldn't he not want to direct resources towards people who seem like they're doing this pretty well? This is why people who are very generous and are Christians typically are not poor. Now, they may not be high income earners, but they aren't they aren't like begging for money. They aren't destitute. They aren't staying awake at night at 3 a.m. going, how oh, am I going to pay the rent? They, they actually have this massive level of peace and joy in their lives. They're not all filthy rich people, but they have. They seem to just have cracked the code on this money thing because as they're giving and as God is supplying them with more and enabling them to give more, their other, their relationship with material things and money becomes corrected. So they aren't getting um, undone and ran over by the temptations and lure of material things to define status or to bring joy because they know that it doesn't necessarily do those things. So 
In a sense, when you're starting out, or if you don't have a lot, the reason that you do it now is to kind of train those little generosity muscles. So as you progress in your life, which if you can't do, you know, at a small level, you won't be able to do it at a big level. So when you're young, you have to be able to do this, or maybe you're in a place where you've had some financial ups and downs and you might be older and you're still, I don't see how I can do this, but you just begin to have a relationship with God where you understand yourself as a conduit and then you begin to employ this in your life and you see what he does. And so this guy really captures it. He says, the more we give, the more we will be given by God to share with others. We may not have all the money that we want, but we will have all the money we need to be abundant. See, I love what, how he captures the verse. His, his commentary on this, he's saying, we will have all the money we, we need um, to be abundant, not to just get by, right? But to be abundant in our giving to others. That's pretty cool. This is, this is kind of his, what, how he's looking and interpreting this. So then the third thing is, when I am generous, I become the reason other people praise God. Now that's an interesting concept. Look what he says. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all the others. And so what he's saying is that they are becoming an answer to prayer for the, on the part of the Jerusalem Christians that are struggling. Now, if you think about this for a minute, we don't think about the whole story of this supply chain model of God giving us money and stuff so we can give to others. But as you, have you ever thought about the fact that as you're giving, you may actually be meeting the very need that someone else is praying for? Like that's, that's when this whole thing starts to blow our minds. That you might actually be the, 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 um, the assurance of God's presence and provision in the life of another person by your willingness to dislodge yourself from that which you could hold on to, um, but you give it freely. So you only see it from your vantage point. I only see it from my vantage point, but there's supernatural activity going on. So the person you're giving to might have been on the very edge of not being able to pay their rent and they needed that 300 bucks so their house would have been foreclosed on or they would have been evicted or their business would have shut down. And all during that time, they're praying and they're asking, God, are you real? Do you care? Like, I know I've made mistakes or I haven't been wise or, you know, here I am and I don't know what to do. But that's just one example. And there's all kinds of other examples as well. It's not just always about bailing somebody out who's in a bad situation, but it's about a, a life of, of just blessing people. And it puts you in the position of, of really being somebody who, who introduces the presence of God in a person's life, you know? Now, when it says they glorify God because of you, um, excuse me, in other words, because of you, they say, wow, I know that God will never leave me. I know that God always provides. So can you imagine being somebody who, because of what you did, because of your presence in their life, they go, man, I just see how God provided. And they used you. So finally, this is um, the fourth thing. When we are generous, we build meaningful relationships. See, this is the reason why God doesn't just drop things on us directly. He uses each other, he uses us to be conduits of mercy to each other so that we forge relationships with one another. 
And so in verse 14, he's, you know, he's saying the people in Jerusalem will thank God. And then it says, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. That was just kind of a little riff at the end where he's like, this is so cool. Like, look what you have the opportunity to do. You, they're gonna thank God because of you and they're gonna long for you and pray for you. There's a relationship that's established. There's a connection that is made because there's love done through action. Giving builds relationships. And so it's so amazing to Paul that he calls it inexpressible. Now, how do we start this? And, and you know, by the way, this is one of the reasons why private property is so important. You know, like we look at, we say, well, this government system is, is, you know, it's just another way of doing it. And this government system is just another way of doing it. And one of the, the tragic things is when you rob people of the ability to have anything, you rob them of the ability to give anything. And that's a terrible thing because, you know, if, if we're made to act like God and be like God and God is a giving God, then one of the basic fundamental things that we would want to do at our best when we're at our best is to give. That's why even an atheist can, can feel a tremendous sense of joy when, when they're giving. How is that possible? Because atheists is still made in the image of God and is still programmed to want to act like God even if he doesn't believe in God. So you can still, even a person that doesn't acknowledge God at all can still sense this incredible satisfaction because the, somehow they're aligning with the very reason that they were put on the earth. But this is why, this is one of the reasons why. And we should be so grateful that we live in a government that actually incentivizes us to, you know, you get tax write-offs when you give to organizations and charities and that sort of thing. There was a system that incentivizes people to be generous. That's a beautiful thing. Not every place does that. So these are, these are things that are really important. So I sit there and go, well, how do we start this? Well, between now and Thanksgiving, you know, the holidays are coming up and it's gonna be a crazy holiday season. And this is the time where a lot of us, while we mean really well, we do kind of end up overextending ourselves a little bit because of, you know, all this crazy stuff that goes on. And it is a time to be generous, but it's also a time to be wise. And we wanna make sure that we don't get ourselves into financial trouble during this season as well. So we don't have to give our kids everything that they want, you know, um, and get ourselves into all kinds of debt and then limit our ability to be generous with things that are really important. So I had this idea, actually our team had this idea, and then I kind of took it and ran with it for a little bit. And I just want you to, I want to give you this challenge because if you go, well, how do I start? Like, what's something that I could do? So I had this kind of cool idea. So, I mean, you could take it or leave it, but I think you should take it. And, and uh, then this is my challenge between now and Thanksgiving. So you have like, I don't know, 10, 10 days, I don't know, 12 days. It's kind of scary, right? It's coming. Um, get your turkey ready. But if, you, if, you're, if you're someone who goes out to dinner, and most of us go out to dinner, and if you don't go out to dinner, just go out to dinner, like one time. It won't, it won't kill you. Go out to dinner somewhere in this area. I wanna, I wanna bless the, the, the food servers in our area. This is my idea. Go out to dinner. Next time you go out to dinner, leave an extravagant tip. Some of you are like, well, you mean 20%? No, that's a normal tip. <laughs> Really? Yeah. They have tip calculators, apps you can get too, just so you know. Um, next time you go out to dinner, do something crazy. Leave an extravagant tip. Now, when I say extravagant, well, what do you mean? What do you, like, give me, okay, well, I thought, hmm, 
So yeah, like you go out to dinner, it's like 40 bucks, leave a $20 tip. Oh, then I thought, what if you're really crazy and you left a 100% tip? $40 dinner, leave them 40 bucks. That's $80, I know. But imagine, see, I was thinking about the food servers in our area. And it's probably kind of a difficult time for them right now because the holidays are coming up. And if you're a food, you know, like a server or whatever, you're not making a lot of money. I mean, relatively you might during the holidays, but it's kind of a, it's, it's come more of a entry level job a lot of times and you're going to school or whatever else. And it's, it is hard to make ends meet. And sometimes people are terrible tippers and they're rude and they're busy and they're like, I gotta go get my Christmas presents, blah, 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 you know, and they're busy and they got family coming into town and it can be these large parties and chaos. And it's, it's a lot of stressful times, right? And I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool if, if the people in our, and you can go to Scottsdale News, but I say do it around here because that way we keep it local, right? And, and go to, and, and you don't have to say anything. Don't say, hey, I'm doing this for Compass Church. Our services are 4.30 on Saturday. Don't, don't do that because then they're thinking it's like a string, right? I mean, if it comes up, that's fine, but don't make it a string. Make it just generosity. And don't go, look what I'm about to do. Just do it and leave, right? Do it in secret. And imagine, imagine what it would feel like to be a server because maybe that server woke up that day and went, oh, if I don't make my car payment, Dog the bounty hunter's coming, right? It's gonna knock on my door and take my car away, and there's gonna be music that plays in my head, and it's gonna be crazy. Um, and no, I'm kidding. But anyway, so imagine that happens, right? And they're waking up and they're like, oh, they're so stressed, and they're so stressed. And they're like, they're so close, right? And all of a sudden, you show up, and they get a 100% tip. What would they be thinking in their head? What if that morning they woke up and they prayed and they said, God, will you just show me? Show me your, I, I'm gonna make it. Show me and be okay. God, I feel like I'm at my wit's end. I feel like I don't know how I'm gonna make this. And, and God, I, it's like, I, I wanna be able to buy some Christmas presents for my kid and I wanna be able to make that one last payment or whatever the case is, right? And I don't know how it's gonna happen and I feel like I'm working so hard. God, will you show me some kind of mercy? And then you show up. And then you show up. And you become the mercy. You become the conduit the distributor. And I know it. You say, Tim, that, that sounds um, really extravagant and um, outlandish. Well, that's the title of the sermon. And the joy that it should bring you is uproarious, because I looked it up in the thesaurus. Uproarious. It's a great word. So would you have an uproarious experience? You're cheerfully going, oh, we're going to bless this person. Now, here's the crazy thing, too. If you did this, I bet, I bet, you might even be moved to care about that person more. You might even pray for them that night when you go home. God, please be with Jill or Bill or whoever it is, right? Please show them how much you love them because you invested in them. Yeah, do that. That's your challenge. That's your challenge. See, this ain't a message about giving money to the church, right? You're waiting for that one to drop. We ain't dropping. Yeah. Keep waiting. It's coming. Um, not tonight, though. Um, not today. Oh, but, but seriously, it's just bless somebody else, okay? And see how it changes your heart. See how it brings you joy because you invested in someone and you became the answer to their prayer. There's something else really cool I was going to say, but I forgot. Some of you are like, good. I want to go. Um, go to dinner. Bless somebody. See, God, God kicked all this into gear by giving to us. And this is, see, this is, this is what the gospel, the gospel compels us because we have this infinite God who gives us this infinite stuff and he gave it, he started by giving us Jesus. 
It's so cool because my daughter was talking to me last night, my, my wife and I, she was talking about all the stuff she's learning in her um, history class, and they learned about ancient Egypt, and she goes, Dad, the Egyptians believed that if your heart weighed more than an ostrich feather, that basically you were condemned, you know, and you had to go through this weird thing or whatever, and they wrote instructions on how to do it, but you were guilty. If your heart weighed as much as a, a, a more than an ostrich feather, and I go, an ostrich feather, that doesn't weigh anything. You know, because if you carry guilt in your heart, so you had to have like a light heart and get all these sins off of you because if it weighed heavier than an ostrich feather, I'm like, that's an impossible standard. How could anyone's heart weigh less than an ostrich feather? And I told my daughter, I said, honey, if that was me, if I was one of those Egyptians, you know, like this, I'd be doomed. I'd be dead. I, I'd be so, because my heart would be so heavy. I'm so grateful for Jesus. I'm so grateful for Jesus that, 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 he, he took my heart that was way heavier than an ostrich feather and, and he took the sin away and he stood in my place and he went through that crazy thing to get to the sea of reeds or whatever, you know what I mean? He went, to that, he went through that crazy piece of judgment for me so I didn't have to. I sure wish those ancient Egyptians would have known about Jesus. They wouldn't have been so afraid of dying. You know why? Because we have a God that loves us and gave us himself. I heard a great quote today or earlier this week said, Christianity is the only religion who has its core value or its core tenet, the humiliation of its God. Our God humbled himself, became one of us, stood in our place because he loves to give. And he loves to be merciful. And he loves to be generous. And all I'm asking you to do is what the scripture says is just try to be like him and how you live. Let's pray together. God, we are so grateful that you give us these opportunities. But it starts with you and I pray if there's anyone in here who doesn't know you, before they go out and try to be generous and try to somehow work their way to heaven, they would know that's not what it's about. It's about knowing you and knowing that you gave a way for us, that you gave your son so that we could be free, that you gave your son and had him die on a cross in our place, took our punishment so that we could know what forgiveness is like. And so God, we take that concept and we just put legs on it. You know, we put... We, 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 we put action on it. May we show as we have this challenge, I wanna pray for everyone that's gonna take the challenge and go and do something extravagant and outlandish and weird and crazy. Who leaves a 100% tip for someone they don't even know? But somehow, some way that, that we would just trust that, that, that their miracles would happen, like miracles would happen because you would be ordaining these people that we wanna bless. Thank you, Lord, as Paul says, for your inexpressible gift. In your name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Why not ask God to change your life so you can go and change your world for him? To find out more about our church online, go to www.compasschurch.info, and we'll see you next time.